you need to analyze very carefully your own internal situation. Am I ready to go into export? Do I have the resources? Do I have the team? Or do I need to outsource some of that, some of that job? Then of course you need to do your market research and decide what is the best market for you as a small company and you need to prepare a strategy. And then of course you need to go into the execution phase of that. Welcome to the Powerful Marketing Tips Podcast, created for overwhelmed business owners who want to build, run, and organize their marketing for good. And here's a brief overview of our guest. Have you ever dreamed of becoming successful internationally? Building a brand can be tricky to begin with, but what should you consider when you want to expand to other countries as well? Today's guest is Katherine Reed, who is an international sales and marketing consultant with over 25 years experience developing niche products in emerging markets. She helps small and medium companies to break through international barriers in Europe and Asia, creating successful entrepreneurs and a thriving global marketplace with her consulting and mentoring. Catherine firmly believes that business is done between people and therefore places her focus on building strong relationships that form a solid foundation for doing business. Well, settle in and enjoy the episode. Hi friends, it is Marilis here and thank you for tuning in. Another great episode with an inspirational guest is about to start. But before we start, I have a favor to ask. Please go rate and review this episode to help us grow. It means a lot to receive your feedback and it is the only way and the only thing that helps us become better and serve you better. So we appreciate your help here very much. And now today's topic is enormous as we are going to talk about starting to build an international brand. I am glad to welcome Catherine Reed with us, who has spent more than 25 years of expert doing business in more than 150 countries. Welcome, Catherine. Thank you for having me. It's really a pleasure to be here. We are very honored to have you with us. So please, Catherine, share briefly your story with us. How did you find your way to the exporting world, so to say? Well, I was actually originally a languages student and I had absolutely no idea what I wanted to do with my life, but I did like the idea of living abroad and traveling a lot. And one of the ways that I could prolong the time I spent in Austria, because I'm from the UK originally, was to, I found a course at university, a postgraduate course at university in export and international business. And I thought, well, I'll do the course. And if I don't like it, then I can always do something else afterwards. Um, and that's how I ended up in export. So it just worked out that I just really felt at home in the niche. And so everything began from there. And you have been there for 25 years. And you, I know you have worked with some great brands. Please talk about those as well. Okay, well, I started out in the automotive industry working with a brand which is maybe not such a household name these days, Crossland Filters. Um, but of course, we were delivering at that time, we were delivering to Ford. We were also delivering to companies like Aston Martin or Rolls-Royce or Volvo, um, also for heavy duty applications. So it was quite an industrial kind of environment. It was very male dominated. 
And I was dealing with Africa and Eastern Europe because it was the end of, it was the late 90s and Eastern Europe was also a kind of new frontier within Europe that my boss didn't really know those countries. And that was more my, that was more my jam than, um, you know, to deal with Portugal or some of the other markets that he liked to work with. So that's how I started there. Um, I did a brief stint with rubber stamps, which I actually didn't find that exciting. The people were nice, but I didn't find the product very exciting. And then I spent 18 years selling infant formula and baby food, which was um, a really nice time. And I had a really fantastic experience there. So that was a great learning curve for me. And the last three years I've been self-employed. So working with lots of food and beverage brands or other FMCG products, especially. And it's been, yeah, a lot of fun. Not always easy, but a lot of fun. That's great. I I can see and, and hear you have a lot of experience here. And please just briefly walk us through the, the countries you have worked with. I know we shouldn't list down all the 150 here, but I'd like to, <laughs> I'd like that our listeners could really understand, you know, the, uh, which sides of the world you have worked? Um, okay. I When I started out in my career, I was working on all the parts of the world that my boss didn't want to deal with. So <laughs> that generally meant my biggest markets were the Baltics and Israel, but I was also dealing with Africa, some parts of, or most parts of South America. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I was dealing with what's known as the French Overseas Territories. Those are all those nice islands like Reunion, um, Guadeloupe. All of those territories were also part of my sales area, which was quite nice. Mm -hmm. And when I was at HIP, then I started out with dealing with the Baltics. Mm -hmm. Um, I've dealt with Scandinavia at various times. Southeast Europe, so former Yugoslavian republics, let's say. Turkey, Lebanon, and through to Asia. And that was my speciality at HIP, let's say. The last um, 15 years that I was at the company, then I was really focusing on Asia and the last 10 years, especially on China. And that has been something that's um, very interesting from a business perspective, because of course, China is quite a complicated market. It's a very specific market. And there are not so many people who in the food and beverage space have really focused on China, South Korea, and then Southeast Asia as well. So those are kind of my favorite markets to be doing business with. But I've done business in most places around the world over the years at different times. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. That's just amazed me. Amazing, Catherine, really. So I really love, I'd really like to talk about starting to build an international brand today. But I would start with, um, you just mentioned so many different countries and uh, they are not just different by by where they are located, but there is also a huge cultural difference, yes. right? <clears throat> so please tell us, how did you work with different countries? Did you do some homework just to figure out, you know, what are the, let's say, their norms and how do they expect you to really communicate with them? Yeah, 
I mean, now for sure, then I would do quite a lot of online homework. And of course, these days it's so much easier to, to find information online. When I very first started out, then of course there were a few books available, but a lot of countries, for example, the first business trip that I actually did on my own for for Crossland was to, to Lithuania. And at that time, it was maybe 1995, something like that. There were no business books talking about that particular area of Europe. And it, it was somehow quite exotic for a lot of people because, you know, it wasn't long after independence and mm-hmm. um, a lot of people had never visited there before now. So at those at that time, it was really quite a case of going and listening and observing really carefully mm-hmm. and when you found somebody that you had a little bit of a closer connection to, maybe you had some kind of, you know, some people that you feel a closer chemistry to or something like that, mm-hmm. that asking them questions, how do you do this? Or what is polite in this situation? Um, and just trying to learn and observe as much as possible. So I'm sure I made some really horrendous mistakes, but luckily when you come, as long as you, as long as people can see that you're genuinely trying to do your best, then most people are quite acceptable of the fact that maybe you didn't realize that that's not so polite in their country and they'll forgive you for some small errors along the way. Mm-hmm. And that's the best way to learn by doing mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> it's the best way to learn. Yes. And definitely <laughs> I had a client in Egypt and she would tell me very, she would tell me very directly if I did something that she would say, you know, that's not very polite to do here. And I would be always like, oh, sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's that's great if they tell you, you know, that yeah. this is not polite. That's But of course, in Asia, <laughs> usually people don't tell you. And mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. Asia was much more of a... In Asia, I tried much harder to, to learn quite formally about how things should be done and then to learn more by observation and asking questions and so on, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Hip is a very well-known brand. So I suppose I'm I'm just guessing here that maybe it is easier to approach a new market with a you know with a very well-known brand yes. already. But Definitely. when it comes to yeah, when it comes to like a product or service that that is not so so big at the, and not so well-known, so where should one company really? Uh, start when they think that okay I'm you know I'm doing great nationally and I would really (laughs) like to Mm -hmm. expand my business internationally what are the first I don't know things they should do or um, what are what are your suggestions I mean I would say that first of all it's really important not to assume that the things that work in your home market are going to work or be as successful in the market that you're looking to go into abroad. Mm -hmm. And so what you do need to do is, first of all, you need to, just to summarize, you need to analyze very carefully your own internal situation. Am I ready to go into export? Do I have the resources? Do I have the team? Or do I need to outsource some of that, some of Mm -hmm. that job? Then, of course, you need to do your market research on and decide what is the best market for you as a small company who maybe doesn't have any brand awareness somewhere to go into and you need to prepare a strategy. And then, of course, you need to go into the execution phase of that. So I think that 
it's important from the start that if you don't have any brand awareness abroad or very little, that you're mm-hmm. very clear what makes your company special. What is your USP? Mm-hmm. Um, and you also, when you start to look at your foreign markets, you need to start to say, okay, how do my consumers think there? Are these the same target consumers that I would have at home? And how do I need to communicate with them so that I can meet their needs, their values, and that I can address their priorities in the right way? Because they potentially have very different priorities to the ones that my target consumers have in my home market, depending, of course, where I'm starting from. Okay, so you have already said a lot of things and I'd like to go into details. <laughs> just, yeah, I wanted to just put the main points at the top Very and then good. we can go into some details, yeah. Yeah, very good. Let's do that because just for the clarity, USP uh, is a unique selling point, right? So this is yes. uh, one thing <laughs> I wanted to clarify for the listeners. But I got three things. Analyze if I'm ready, market research and execution. Huge, yes. you know, <laughs> areas. So how should... I really analyze if I am ready. You mentioned resources. What are the resources I should I should have when I'm, you know, starting to thinking about going abroad? Okay, for for a small company, you need to start out with having the commitment of the management board or the owners to really mm-hmm. go into export because Exporting can be a really good way for small companies to grow their business and their profitability, Mm -hmm. but it's not a quick fix. So it's something that they have to be committed to in order for it to work well, because you have to prepare that things are probably not going to go 100% according to plan. Maybe it takes a little bit longer than you needed, than you expected it to. Um, And you, of course, you, they also have to prepare some kind of a budget for you to be able to expand into a new market because you need to do some marketing activities, you need to do some localization activities. And the other point is, do you have a team to do that? So do you have enough capacity in your team? And do the the people that you have, do they have the right knowledge to, to do international trade? I mean, the guy in the warehouse, he's not going to be very happy if he if he suddenly has to pack your small export orders in something completely different and to go through some extra mm-hmm. processes of inspections and and doing documentation because you've decided you want to go into export so you have to make sure that everybody is properly trained or that you say we can't do this technical part Internally, we have to give that to an external provider like um, a freight company who can probably do all of that, those mm-hmm. building blocks mm-hmm. of the export paperwork and that you concentrate on the marketing, but you still have to do the branding and you still have to, even if you work with an external expert, you still have to provide the core knowledge about your products and your brand in order mm-hmm. to adapt those for an international market. Mm-hmm. So you need to be committed and you need right competences. That's very good. But when it comes to, you mentioned branding many times. So oftentimes we don't have those huge, you know, uh, budgets, budgets, right, for that. So what are your thoughts here? And uh, and I'm sure you have many experiences here. 
what is the best way to do that? Because in order to really be on top of somebody's head, right, <laughs> you need to mm -hmm. do a lot of work and it takes, again, time and commitment, as you just uh, mentioned. So let's talk about branding a little bit here because it is so much aligned with the, with the sensitivity. Yeah. I mean, I think you have to, on the one hand, look at the culture of the com country that you're mm -hmm. looking to expand mm -hmm. into because it's not just what are their preferences for the kinds of products and services because if you have... 100 products in your portfolio maybe only 10 of those are suitable for the beginning in a new market so you first of all need to look at which kind of products you're going to go with and which kind of content the consumers in that market like to consume because um for example especially in the b2b space there are some markets where if you come with a white paper then that's the perfect way of delivering some kind of technical B2B content. But for other markets, maybe you want to come with a video that delivers the same kind of content, but in a, in a different format. So you have to, on the one hand, think about what kinds of content are suitable for the market. Can mm -hmm. you take over some of your content from your domestic market and just localize that which might mean, it probably means translating to some mm -hmm. extent, but it also means changing because localization is not just translating everything word for word. You know yourself, mm -hmm. marketing copy is probably mm -hmm. the hardest thing to translate so that it comes across authentically for a foreign audience. Um, mm -hmm. So you have to deal with the content factor. You have to also consider which channels you're going to use to deliver your content for example, if you want to go to China, then you don't have any options of Facebook and Instagram and so on. You have to go completely onto um, Chinese channels such as Bilibili or WeChat. Um, and whilst the, the content might be quite similar, you might need a, a, a short video. That might be the best way to deliver your message, but you have to deliver it in a, in a different format. Mm -hmm. And the most basic thing, if you don't have such a huge budget, of course, is to localize your website. Um, because according to the so-called underwear effect, that's that's a really nice study that you can look for. Um, consumers are more inclined to buy more if a website is, and the information associated with it is available to them in their local language. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. things like dates and currency, and um, product sizing, for example, in the clothes industry is always a, a critical one. But it's really mm -hmm. important to have it available in the local language. Mm -hmm. That would be the, the kind of very bare minimum that you can mm -hmm. do that doesn't actually necessarily need such a huge budget, but which you do need to get done professionally. It's not just something that you can just use Google Translate for to localize your website you need to have professional support mm -hmm. on that yeah that's very good and you should definitely do some homework here because you know it it really helps you to save a lot of time and money and frustration at the end of the day Ab absolutely and i think that mm -hmm. it's really true to say that the more research that you can do up front of any kind of internationalization project the more time it's likely to save you mm -hmm. later because mm -hmm. if, if you have that knowledge in-house 
or if you can if you have the budget of course if you can buy that information into house it's it saves you making the mistakes that other people have already made five times mm-hmm. i agree and uh, you also mentioned a very important detail is that when you approach the other country and culture uh, they might not even use the same channels as as you are yes. using right so the bilibili and uh, wechat and uh, you know the other platforms that they are using are not familiar to people from not so familiar to people in in europe and uh, in the states for example right exactly but when you say to them um short video format then everybody can understand something under that these days, or at least every marketer mm-hmm. knows what what to understand under, okay, mm-hmm. you need a short video format. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that you need to adapt the exact way of the, delivering the messaging, that is something that I think most people can understand that you, you um, appreciate things differently from one country to the next. I mean, from the UK, we have quite different understanding, even of some words if you compare us to a US audience, for example. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you can really get into some hot water if you have the wrong vocabulary on those kind of things. I know, I know. Trust me, I've been there. (laughs) (laughs) Because English is not my first language. But okay, so we have talked um, about branding briefly. So I'd like to touch the sales part as well, because when I'm analyzing if I am ready, I should definitely think about sales or I think we are thinking about that. But how should one really approach sales very professionally, meaning that I'm just not going there and hoping for the best, right? I should really build already some networks there or some relationships with local, I don't know, organizations maybe, with a chamber of commerce or what are your... I don't know, best practices here? I think it's important that you go systematically into any market. So um, I often, especially a lot of small companies, I see them doing what I would call ad hoc export. And they Mm -hmm. say, well, we got an inquiry from Australia, but when we actually looked at it, it was too expensive. And so we decided that we can't export at all. And actually they probably could export, but they need to have a system behind it. So Mm -hmm. like you mentioned, you need to have, you need to decide from a sales perspective, how you're actually going in to enter into the market, how your product's going to get from your factory or your warehouse to the consumers. And for a lot of, you could, of course, these days, you could, of course, sell directly online, but that often brings with it certain issues about taxes and it can get a little bit complicated with customs duty and so on. You have the opportunity that you could go, depends on the kind of product you have, but you could list directly with retailers in the United Arab Emirates, for example, and you could list in in Carrefour and you could list in Spinney's and you can list in all of those retailers. And that's also an option, but for a small player it's probably also not a good option because then you've got a lot of work to do to deal with all of them and of course you can work with a partner such as a distributor an importer or maybe an agent who doesn't buy the products but they sell in your name Um, those are all good opportunities and of course things like trade fairs are a good place for building your network 
Um, many countries have an overseas trade organization who support mm -hmm. the companies, companies who are looking to expand abroad with information and resources. So, for example, if you go to your trade commissioner in Malaysia, they may be able to say to you, this is a good customs agent. This is a reliable accountant, lawyer, all of those kind of technical people that you might need on occasions to support you with your business and that they can often also give you lists of potential distribution partners um, or they can give you information about the regulations and the technical requirements for entering into a particular market with the products that you have. Mm -hmm. And I would be very careful here with uh, only Googling because you may find, you know, those distributors and agents and uh, people who, uh, you know, they say that they are ready to help you in the certain market, but you should really do more, you know, your homework to, to make sure that they are reliable uh, yes. agents. Right? Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. let's say what I, I quoted it somewhere this a couple of weeks ago on the internet, nobody knows you're a dog, you know, mm -hmm. it's, there's a meme. I think it's mm -hmm. from the New Yorker um, from many years ago that on the internet, you don't really know who is on the other side of the screen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and so you have to do your, your due diligence. And of course, mm -hmm. ideally, if you're entering into a new market, then you should always visit that market mm -hmm. before you actually enter into it. And if you're looking to work with any kind of partner, you should try and visit them at their offices. I've heard some awful stories of people going and discovering that the office was obviously just rented from some, they've just borrowed it for the afternoon from somebody else. They've just put like <laughs> oh a piece God. of paper that's been printed, you know, that they've printed out on a cheap printer on the door that says this is the company name and so on. So it really pays to, to go mm -hmm. and to um, look in person. I mean, I, the company I worked for originally, we were also scammed by a guy who went from um, actually from Latvia to no in Estonia actually. Sorry, it's the you only scam. You were scammed. scammed in, by I was scammed. In, I was scammed by an Estonian. Yeah, in my first job. <gasps> That's a bad sorry. thing. Oh no, I am sorry. Oh my god. But, you know this guy. He left. He left the company that we were working with. Mm -hmm. And he was our contact person and he sent us um, a letter on the official letterhead of the original company that mm -hmm. we were working mm -hmm. with and told us that the company name had been changed to something different. And actually oh he'd moved, he'd moved companies and basically he, in this way, he, he kind of almost took the business with him. Mm -hmm. So, Yeah. Wow, I'm I'm really sorry for that. <laughs> but but yeah, Estonian or not Estonian, you know, it does, there are it can happen anywhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. it can happen anywhere. And mm -hmm, mm -hmm. if you you often you just don't know what you don't know. So mm -hmm. if you're starting out, then it really pays to ask around. Maybe there are people in your network who've already exported into that um, mm -hmm. country, or maybe if you say. For example, if you are a sportswear company, maybe you can look around and see, okay, well, there's an outdoor equipment supplier who I know is a good company. Maybe I can reach out to them and ask who they are working with in that company. Somebody who's yeah. in a complementary field, 
but not a direct competitor of mine, obviously, because I don't want to work with a distribution partner who's working with a competitor's product. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think that, you know, there are lots of ways of, there are lots of ways that you can check out. It's always best Mm -hmm. to get some kind of personal recommendation. Um, I had an instance once where I was looking for a partner in South Korea and I had a short list of three companies and two of them told me that they were working with one um, confectionery company. Mm-hmm. And when I um, actually called the company to to get the reference in, both of them had been on the short list, but only one of them was chosen. And he already knew at the time when he told us that he was working with this company that he wasn't. So, you know, Again, mm-hmm. he was relying on the fact that we wouldn't do the due diligence up front. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it, it, it really is risky to just, you know, to go to some country and not do your homework very properly. We have a saying that you should measure, you know, seven times a cut one time. Yes, you know, yes. <laughs> Austria too, yes. Yeah, <laughs> so I believe it's very valid here. And... Uh, Right now, I, I still believe that even if you think that, oh, my God, it takes so much time, you know, to really analyze, you know, the resources, the, the branding, sales, I don't know, local taxes, culture, everything. But I, I still believe that this is so worth it. And uh, from my own experience, I can say that the best way to learn this very quickly is really to just go there, just Take some time, even a few weeks, be mm-hmm. there, you know, just travel around, visit some um, networks, some local organizations, ask for help, tell them that, oh, I love your country, you know, I would love to do some business yes. here. What are your thoughts? Just, just you know, make sure that you, you get many, I don't know, many, uh, you meet many people, you, you actually can talk to people who know how to build business locally. And they can give you so good, you know, advice and insights. Not only that, but I think that by going to other countries and seeing what is successful in other countries, be it analyzing your competitors, how are they getting good sales in that country, then you, um, it makes you more innovative. It makes you more competitive in your home market because it broadens your mind about ideas about what you could mm-hmm. do with, with the product and with the business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very that's very good, of course. So you can have so much great ideas, just go there to spend some time with the real people, <laughs> local people there, and uh, that's amazing how much you can learn. But I'd like to talk about differences in, you know, when it comes to selling your services to another country, because we have mostly, you know, talked about mm-hmm. like physical things. Yeah. <laughs> But when it comes to to offering your services abroad, what are the things you're doing differently or or what you're doing, you know, beside the things we talked about when it comes to selling services to different countries? I think for selling services, you have to you have to establish very clearly up front your authority in your field of specialization. Mm-hmm. And so I think that a lot of this is to do um, with building a personal brand, maybe, 
whether you would call it a personal brand or your company brand, but building your online presence, I think, is these days really very important for selling services internationally. Because mm-hmm. if you can show or showcase your expertise, be that on platforms such as LinkedIn or by appearing on podcasts as a guest, by being asked to participate in summits or by being maybe a speaker in your um, in your chamber of commerce, because a lot of chambers of commerce are international chambers of commerce by at international events, then you're showing that you are a competent person who is able to um, advise on whatever is your is your topic, be it marketing or consulting executive training, whatever it happens to be. And I think that if you're selling services, it becomes even more important to be able to show good reference projects. Mm -hmm. It becomes very important also for you to build the relationships, because if you're selling services, somehow the relationship stands even more in the foreground of um, any kind of contract than it does if you're selling product. I mean, I always tell clients they shouldn't embark on a long-term distribution contract, for example, with someone that they couldn't bear to have dinner with. But for, I think if you're selling services where you're going to be working very closely with somebody on a more, it's somehow a more personal level than just, will you sell the socks that I produce, you know? Um, (laughs) If you're working with them to work on their brand it's somehow it's much closer to the core of their business if you're selling them services Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. it's so much more important that the relationship has to be very solid Mm -hmm. and of course for some markets especially in asia you need to spend a lot of time to build those relationships Mm -hmm. yeah i think i think uh, that's the main difference because uh, it requires you know a lot of trust as you just uh, mentioned and uh, it takes so much time to really build, you know, that trust. Because I may know you, I may even like you, but it doesn't mean I really trust you, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or mm-hmm. you may, you may, you may like me, but because you've never worked with me, and I'm mm-hmm. far away, you're not sure if it's one thing to to just exchange ideas online somehow. It's another thing to send me your money. Mm-hmm. And expect me mm-hmm. to achieve results for you. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, from my own experience, I can say that the best way here is really just to put yourself out there, to be genuine, to be to be to be available, to be um, you know ready to um, to really to really answer any questions people may have, and you need to be ready to to give value without any yes. expectations. So yes. that's you need to have thing. a lot of conversations which mm-hmm. are where you don't go into it with any kind of pre prepared idea mm-hmm. that you're going to sell something, but simply just for the value of the conversation mm-hmm. itself to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you should just build those meaningful relationships. And uh, as soon as people, you know, see the, the value and um, and they really start trust you then uh, then they just they want to spend time with you so what I have uh, 
experience myself is that if you just if you're being accessible accessible for the people they really appreciate that you know because they see that you're willing to give your own time for them and just yes. by, by just being there with them and and helping them it's it's something that um, you know anybody don't do yeah yeah it's true it's not something that can be taken for granted these days of mm -hmm. course so. oh my god yeah i just love this discussion here and i see that that it's there is so much to do when it comes to really you know the thinking if i should go abroad because i have like some notes here and uh, as i'm checking them right now i see that you know behind every word here is you know a huge work actually there yes. is we mentioned branding sales we mentioned uh, uh, you know those resources and team mm -hmm. but um, we didn't talk about values we didn't talk about how you might want to position yourself as a brand versus what actually the market really needs mm -hmm. we didn't talk about differences in technical and legal standards we didn't talk about following trends and how they can be different oh in different God. countries i mean there's just you know i think we could we could talk for days so that's why i'm i'm a little bit worried how to how to really wrap it up for our listeners because i think that even the legal side of this can be so tricky and yes. uh, and it is so hard really to even to start to understand this and uh, the second thing what we also mentioned is to make sure that you will get a right partner you know locally for, yes. and how to be sure with that so it is very complicated area where you are actually <laughs> every yeah. day so please tell us you know where should people find more information about what you do and how can they con contact with you because I'm sure they, they need to do that if they want to go abroad. Well, I can be contacted via my website, which is katherinereed.com, simply my mm -hmm. name. Um, if you are interested in finding different ways of selecting which markets would be the right ones for you to go into, mm -hmm. there is a free ebook there that you can that you can download that goes through some of the it lists some of the criteria and some ways of of doing some selection methods so that you're making a data-based decision as to where you should expand your business into and mm -hmm. what you also do find on there are a lot of um a lot of long-form blog posts and i do write quite long blog posts um about different aspects of international expansion so you can find things on there about the craft of exporting and such as different things you should consider when you think about which payment terms to use. You can find those kind of things, how to, how to localize your brand, which language service providers to choose, what selection criteria, those kind of things, but also about different markets. So you can find, you know, if you want to enter the food and beverage market in Malaysia, you can find those kind of information as well. So, Wow, it, it sounds very useful. <laughs> It's, it's a lot of information on there, and mm -hmm. I'm also easily connected or contacted via LinkedIn. So, mm -hmm. 
I think that's the best way <laughs> to start, you know, yeah. uh, this analyzing how to really approach uh, different markets. So if you were to wrap it up for our listeners here today, because I don't want to overwhelm them with, you know, there is so much to do. What are the, I don't know, three main things they should start with right now if they're thinking, you know, okay, I want to I wanna really start a business abroad. I would say do your research. You have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable because going abroad mm -hmm. is going to be a learning curve. So it's something you have to um, get used to. And just when you think you've got used to it, you kind of enter a new level and it gets uncomfortable again. Um, and don't be afraid to reach out for support because there are people out there, there are organizations who will help you for quite reasonable fees you know, a chamber of commerce is usually not such an expensive thing to join. Um, and you can get a lot of basic information there. There are many experts such as myself who can help you with finding partners. Um, but reach out, get support, ask people, don't be afraid to ask questions. Mm -hmm. I think those are the most. And go into it looking to enjoy the ride, as it were. Because you have to stay open-minded and you have to go into it with pleasure because otherwise you're, it's going to likely fail, I would say. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If it's just a nasty obligation, then I would leave it. I agree. And um, I put the quote, get comfortable being uncomfortable. <laughs> that's, that's very good because I think every business owner should uh, be comfortable with being uncomfortable comfortable right that's where the growth is isn't it it's like with yep. the pearl in and the pearl inside an oyster shell that it needs to have that little bit of um of rubbing it needs to be that little bit of irritation in order for you to grow something beautiful i agree yeah. so that is powerful and i really think that if um Anybody who's listening to that right now thinking, okay, I'd like to have this discussion, you know, about um, spreading my business to uh, to an international level, then um, they should contact you, you know, just, just to meet you because you have so much experience around this. And uh, I think this is, this would be the best first step here for somebody who don't know where to start. Yeah. I mean, I'm always happy to have a chat. Mm -hmm and to point people in different directions yeah mm -hmm. perfect so last but not the least Catherine please share and comment you know a song that always inspires you to take action well the song that I've chosen is actually 50 years old um or oh. actually it's it's older than that but the recording of it that I I think I sent you a link of, is mm -hmm. 50 years old. And the song is called Flying Home. And it's a very typical tune, which is played by Benny Goodman, because I am also a hobby clarinetist, so I can only aspire to play something of that kind of standard. And it's just something that's a very good feel-good, kind of happy music. And this particular mm -hmm. recording of it, he made um, with also with a vibraphone player who's from my hometown in the UK. So that's the kind of, has some kind of sentimental um, connection for me that makes mm -hmm. it kind of special. Yeah. That is beautiful, really, Catherine. And please comment and share a quote also that, that empowers you. So the quote that I've chosen is from Madeleine Albright, 
who I think was a very inspiring lady who didn't have such an easy life. She was a refugee from, I think, from the Czech Republic um, during the Second World War to, to the US. And of course, then she was in a very powerful position as being the person in charge of foreign policy for the US. So the quote that I've chosen is, when we're trying to solve difficult issues, it's sometimes necessary to talk to adversaries as well as to friends, things we should think about at the moment. Historians have a word for this, and it's diplomacy. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. That is powerful, especially mm -hmm. today. Especially today, yes. Mm -hmm. Wow. Thank you. I've never heard this quote or saying by, by Madeleine Albright. That's amazing. Well, it's thank a very you, nice Catherine. one. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> thank you again for your for your time and your you know sharing your thoughts and some some ideas here, and um, I I really wish you all the best. Thank you for coming for to our podcast. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Well, that's all we've got for this episode of the Powerful Marketing Tips podcast. But make sure to link up with us at our free monthly international mastermind event. Just go to powerful-marketers.com forward slash mastermind. We would really appreciate it if you would rate this podcast and leave a comment wherever you tune in to listen. That will help us and other potential uh, new listeners. Until next time.